Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke, and we continue now with a nether healing in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17, where we read this. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was the widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there's a couple interesting details in this passage. First of all, this village, Nain, I had to look it up. It's like, where is this place? And in fact, this is the only time that this village is ever mentioned in the Bible. And it's a village that's about 25 uh, miles southwest of Capernaum, where Jesus was uh, residing at the time and doing a lot of his miracles. It's very close to the border with Samaria. Uh, in a word about Jewish funeral possessions at this time, typically they would uh, walk through the town and there's a, a burial ground uh, to the west of uh, the village. And they would have been walking through the town and anybody who was there and seeing it would join in with the procession. Generally, the family would be out front. In this case, it would be uh, the widow because uh, her husband is dead and this is her only uh, son who is now deceased as well. And we don't know the age of the son. The, the Greek just says you know, refers to him as a man. So he doesn't have to be a boy as the NLT uh, translates it here. He could be a fully grown man. And that would have been, that person would have been carried behind them on what is like a stretcher, really. Like it says coffin here, and that implies like a, a box that's closed. And, and that wouldn't be the case. He would be wrapped up in cloths and he would be laying on this uh, this stretcher. And so as uh, they're proceeding through town, people would would join them. And, and Jesus must see this woman. He sees her and it says that He's moved to great compassion. It, I think it's very interesting that uh, we, we see this kind of emotional reaction from Jesus and he's moved to help her. And I, I think it's important, I know, at least for me, I think it's important to remember that Jesus, Jesus is moved more than moved by more than just a mission, right? He's not just blindly moving forward on, on tasks, but uh, compassion and, and freeing people and mercy is, is part of his mission. And he's moved to help this woman, uh, especially this is a woman who is uh, like back then women were highly dependent, much more than today, highly dependent on their male relatives for their uh, financial security. And so she's a widow. So she's missing that. And now here is her only son and he's now died. So she, this would have been especially tragic in, you know, in any circumstances, but especially in her circumstances, she would have been uh, very alone and helpless in the world. And, and so Jesus is moved to compassion and uh, he moves past the widow. He, he says to her, well, first of all, he says to her, don't cry. And then he touches the stretcher that, that the boy is on. And one of the things I think about this, and I think about this with the, the healing of the, the leper as well, when Jesus touches things that are considered unclean, like this would have been out of the ordinary, especially for, you know, a holy man, like under Jewish law, this would have been, you would have been unclean for one day by, by just touching the stretcher. If he touched the body, he would be unclean for a week. And 
you know, we tend to think of uncleanness or disease and things like that as being having this contagious power. You know, we just went through a pandemic, but even now in the winter season, people are worried not only about COVID, but RSV and, and flu and, and, and whatever else. And, and there's this fear of contagion, this way that disease can spread to healthy people. But what's, what's interesting in, in Jesus is that the power of his, his health, the power of his well-being is so strong that he's the one who's contagious. When he touches other things, they become clean. The disease moves in the opposite direction. And, and just like in, you know, if someone were uh, coughing and hacking and wheezing, we would try to keep a distance. In this case, this is a disease that we want to, we want to catch Jesus' cleanness. And to me, this uh, brings about uh, a feeling in me that I want to stay close to Jesus. I want to be so close that I catch whatever he has, because it's something really good. And it reminds me of a, a, an image that the ancient church used a lot where they talked about how God is like a fire and, and, and that, can, that fire is contagious. It can set other things ablaze. It gives off light. It gives off heat. And we are like a fire poker, like an iron poker that, that gets put in the fire and we take on the characteristics of the fire. We can also glow like fire. We can also give off heat like fire. We can also set other things ablaze just like fire can. But that's not an inherent characteristic in us. And if we take the poker out of the fire for too long, it will quickly cool off and grow cold and no longer have those characteristics. And in the same way, if we are, uh, when we're with Jesus, when we're close to Jesus, we take on these characteristics. But if we're out of the fire for too long, we too will grow cold and, and lose the power, lose the characteristics that are really the nature of, of, of God that can be our nature as, or can be a characteristic of us as well as we draw close to the one who really is the fire, that is Jesus. Dave, I'm wondering what you see in uh, today's passage and in this healing. Well, again, you've done a great job here. I, I think I'd want to call attention to are just maybe two surprising emotions, right? So the first one, which you already touched on a little bit, is uh, in verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. That's the way that the uh, the NLT puts it. Um, but what he what it says in uh, in, in the Greek is actually it, it's not heart, right? They have his guts, and it's basically that his like guts were were uh, like you know <laughs> being affected. Like, and, and all of us have had that feeling where it's just this visceral reaction that we have to something. You know, it's not an intellectual. Oh, what a pity! That seems awful. Right. But there's sometimes you hear a story. I've heard several stories like this recently that when I read them, there's just, you know, or, or hear them. I, I just I it's more than just I I'm aware that it's a tragedy. I feel the tragedy in in my very body. Like, oh, yes, it kind of takes the energy out of me. Like, I feel like I've been you know, punched. Oh, it's so terrible. And I've, I've got a few of those that have happened recently, unfortunately. And, and I think that's where, you know, when Jesus sees this woman right remember jesus is the visible image of the invisible god so jesus his god so this is god's response and i think it's so easy for us to have this idea that god is kind of like you know distant and aloof and ah uh, you got what you deserved you, you schmucks uh you know if he pays attention at all i mean i think there's there's we can get that idea about god but in fact when god comes in human form what we see is is someone who's actually quite emotional Right, has this strong feelings of compassion for us, cares about us. And, and so, you know, when one of my children is, is hurting, I don't just kind of recognize, well, I can see this child has a fever or this child is very anxious about their testimony. Right. I, I don't have that clinical approach to it. It's I 
I'm so sad. Even, you know, I've got a, a, a child who's, uh, you know, in elementary school and, and he's, or I guess early middle school, and he's just, he's so needlessly anxious about his schoolwork. And I could easily rationalize, just go, oh, don't be silly. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Believe me, these grades are not going on your permanent record. Don't worry. Relax, kiddo. But instead, what I see is a child who feels very vulnerable and anxious. And I just, I feel just such empathy, such sadness with him. I'm not worried about the, the test or the quiz that he has to take. I, you know, that I, that I think is trivial. I care so much about him and his experience of it. And I think this is the picture that we are getting of God. I think that's such an important piece. So that's the first maybe surprising emotion. Uh, the second one that I think is surprising emotion is in verse 16. So, all right, they just witnessed a miracle. What's the crowd going to do? Woohoo! This is amazing! Or, you know, envy, you know what I mean? Like, wow, how come she got her, you know, she got a miracle, I didn't get a miracle. I mean, there could be lots of different feelings. Maybe one of the ones that I would not have immediately guessed is great fear swept the crowd. Fear. What an interesting thing. And, and then it says, and they praised God saying, a mighty prophet has written among us. God has visited his people today. That somehow that gave them fear. And I do think there's a reality to, that, and I will say also, just because I happen to have it here open to me in Greek, that that is the right translation. The word phobos, it is fear. That is what, what these people were experiencing. Uh, it, and, and I think to have that sense that, uh, I think there's a way that most of us live, many of us can, can live in a way that we sort of, we sort of feel like God isn't noticing, God doesn't pay attention, God's not really here. Right, I'm just going about doing my thing, maybe, you know, hoping to just kind of stay under the radar. And and I think these people in name suddenly realized we're not under the radar. God is here. And and God, the, the God who has the strength over literally over life and death, that God has the power to do anything. And so there is, on the one hand, this incredible experience of the compassion of God, but also now this fear of the power of God. And I think that we, we miss God. We miss who God really is. And, and we're not going to be able to have a healthy relationship with God if we don't see both those pieces, right? The, the intimate, tender compassion of God and this transcendent, all-powerful, worthy of honor and glory and praise. And we should fall down on our, our knees and say, Lord, I'm not worthy, right? I'm a man of unclean lips. Both of those things need to go together in order for us to appreciate who we're praying to, who we're relying on, who we're saved by. I mean, all of these things. And, and then their response is, right? So the great fear swept the crowd. And again, it's the right translation. They praised God saying, what it actually really says is they they you know, they gave glory to God, right? They, they just, and, and I think when we understand a God who is both all powerful and all loving, the only right response is glory. And when we don't give glory to God, it's almost always because we've forgotten one of those two pieces. We see a powerful God who doesn't care and we're resentful. Or we see a loving God who's kind of a pushover and, and we feel entitled. Right. Or we, or we just we feel like we're in control. But being able to see that how small we are and yet how precious 
God has decided that we are. That calls for a response of glory. Yeah, I, I'm definitely someone who is um, much more. It's much easier for me to appreciate the power of good, power of God, and and not as easy to appreciate the compassion. Um, but I, I see the importance of of both. And and uh, when I think about the about appreciating the power of God and that kind of fear, C.S. Lewis used the word numinous. Uh, I thought would, to kind of capture that sense as well. This idea that we have this inherent fear of the unknown, and there's there's so much that is unknowable about God. And when that reality breaks in around us, it, it puts us in a place where we just, we, we can't navigate on our own. We don't have that, that sense. Uh, but I'm just thinking about, this is kind of a corny example, but um, our littlest, we have two dogs and our littlest dogs is, is kind of a witch. And uh, I, I don't like her very much most of the time, but like when she's really scared, she comes and sits next to me because like, I guess I'm the scariest thing in the room, but, but she knows that I'm on her side. And so, that uh, she feels comforted by the fact that I'm scary in that sense. And I think there's a way in which we can derive uh, a comfort from, from God out of that very fear that we think maybe shouldn't be there in the first place. It doesn't seem consonant with the idea of a, of a, of a, of a loving God. But yet when, when, when God is the most fearful thing there could be and God is on our side, then we don't have a reason to fear other things. That's right. And I think maybe as people go into their day, maybe asking that question, do I tend to forget the power of God or the compassion of God? And and maybe focus on the whichever one I think is, is easier for you to set aside. They will help you naturally want to give glory to God more easily. So maybe, John, you could pray to uh, pray uh, pray for us to that end. I would love to. Our good and gracious God, we thank you that you are ultimately so much greater than us and beyond our full understanding. We thank you for all the efforts you make to make yourself known to us, especially in the person of Jesus, that we can uh, relate in a way that wouldn't be possible otherwise. And yet even then, there's still so much that we cannot know that is beyond us. But we thank you that you are a, a trustworthy God and that your great power and your great love are bent in compassion toward us. Lord, we thank you for this. Give us a greater appreciation of this, that we might glorify you in our waking, in our sleeping, and in our relationships, and all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, we're so glad you joined us again for another week going through God's Word together, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday when we're going to be talking about this very passage uh, in our Sunday service, and then again on uh, Monday as we pick up our study of Luke. So we'll look forward to seeing you then.